You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 out 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Yeah, back again. You know what I do love about this time of year? is all the deer that are moving and running around because, one, it makes podcast topics really easy. (laughs) And really, that's what this week's podcast is about, movement and what it actually means, like breaking it down from camera observations and into hunting success. And I think that some of the stuff that will be shared during this podcast is going to be kind of eye-opening from potentially distances that that we've recently recorded deer and then some of our thoughts and overall observations of trail cameras that we've experienced in not just this year but many years in the in the past when it comes to this time of the year so it'll be fun to break all of that down on this week's podcast with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we jump in, though, I want to thank one of our partners. Help it help ensure that this podcast is done each and every week, twice a week. Double the fun. Matt's repping them hardcore today. Oh, yeah. Do you have any Vortex undies on? Well, I, I, I would got show the hoodie, you, but I, I don't want you've to. You've got the – we'll take yep. your word for it. Um, the hat on right now. The hat. you got the, a hoodie on, too. Do I? Yeah. Sure do. There it is. Vortex. I'm wearing a Atlanta Legacy hat. Yep. Um, yeah, Vortex Optics. Um, we'll be busting them out very, very soon. The scopes. Oh, gosh, that is that is coming up so fast, I'm so, too. <laughs> I'm that so really excited is. to break out that Browning next bolt yeah. with that Vortex scope yeah. 308. <sighs> I, I can't wait for that thing to bark. And I'm, I might 
just because I want to use it. Last year, I don't think we nobody killed deer with a rifle. Last no. year, I don't think. But got the 350 Legend 2. That's topped with a nice Vortex scope. I kind of want to just shoot a deer. I don't care if it's the doe. I don't care if it's the buck. But I want to shoot a well, deer with one, it, too. What, one doe tag? One doe one tag. One doe tag for Douglas with a rifle. County. With a rifle. So I'm going to try to tag. fill that with a... Um, with the M1 Grand, my granddad's. Uh, I don't think Vortex makes up the old peeps. I, I don't do. think we can <laughs> pop a Vortex on. But we have to do the three, the the thirty thirty contraption where you cock it to yeah. the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that'd be funny. But yeah. no, that Vortex. I've been like, you know, when you're seeing deer like just buzz through the timber and through brush and everything, but then still getting that quick little glimpse. That, to me, is where really good binos comes in handy because, what was it, two days ago on stand, I could see, like, oh, there's legs, there's movement, here here comes some deer. And it's through thick stuff, but you're catching just enough of the deer and antlers to say, shooter, no shooter, and that does go a long ways. Like, okay, do I need to get ready? Do I need this and that? It's all the devil's in the details when it comes to that that kind of success stuff. So I've certainly noticed out. it. Yeah, definitely check out Vortex and use the Land Legacy. Um, Legacy 20, isn't it? Yes, that is right. I'm sorry. Legacy 20 Legacy for a 20. 20% discount on all the apparel in their shop, which there's a bunch of really nice stuff. There, there really is a ton of nice stuff. So you'll see us wrapping in a bunch in the videos. Legacy 20. All right. Trail camis. Trail cameras. Trail cams don't lie, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that's right. Trail cameras do lie. Just because you have deer not showing up on camera doesn't mean that the deer is not in that area. Yes. It's it's 2020. We're addicted to technology. I'm I'm on my phone as we do this podcast probably more than anyone would ever realize um, for ADHD reasons. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and when Matt gets deep in the story and you don't hear me saying anything, it's probably because He's I've sc- scrolling through Facebook. Something's more important than somebody's a podcast. Uh, te- texting me or whatever. Like we've been getting hunting updates like crazy. Um, the last well during this podcast and several days, a lot of clients have been sending over successful photos. But um, to me, trail cameras at this time of the year. Is the, it's like the pulse of deer activity, like the finger on the pulse. It just, I just want to know where they're at in the stage of rut. Because if I were, if I were to base solely trail camera, like all my hunts off trail camera data, I I might not be hunting a ton, or I might be hunting in all the wrong places. Not yeah. that the trail cameras are in bad places, but it may not be the best hunt for this time of the year. Like like the last podcast we did, we did or the, the other podcast this week is solely based on cover. I don't have trail cameras right now deep into cover. No. But I just need to know who's in that area. And if, if a deer shows up a couple times on camera, especially if there are some daylight occurrences... I'm going to be betting if there's cover close, that's where that deer's going to be frequenting. Yeah. I just, it's just a, okay, cool, there's information. I see him cruising or I see him moving through. Oh, that's daylight. He's working this area. Yeah. And then after that, 
I, I don't worry too much with them. No, and I think so many times with, with our attentiveness to technology and how we constantly are involved with it, and especially now with so many people running cell cameras, it's easy to fall into the going, it's not on camera, I'm not, you Oh, my, know. I just got a, another update. <laughs> said, giant alert. Oh, my. Who's this? From, from Maryland. Uh, and yeah, you'll be like Maryland deer. Yes, us. Oh man, yeah, that's a great deer. Yeah, um, yeah. Client in Maryland just sent over a giant. Woo. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so many times you can sit there and be like, nope, he's not on camera. He's not on camera. Not on camera. Yep. And be like, okay, and not worth hunting. And that deer could be all over that site, but he's not specifically over camera, or or, or on camera. And, and I think that comes down to. I, I've been around trail cameras. Chad and I were having this conversation um, yesterday, actually, to where I ran first. I bought my first trail camera when I was 11 years old, so that was 22 years ago. Um, that's been running cameras for a long time, and I worked for a couple different shows who had lots of trail cameras. I've had my own farm my whole life with my family farm, so I've had a lot of trail cameras, and I feel pretty confident now that. I can catch most any deer that's on the farm for any kind of length period, minus the the occasional runner who just storms through and then he's here today and gone tomorrow. But any deer that lives on the farm, I feel like I'll catch them at some point during the week. That still doesn't mean I catch all of them. Well, that still means you catch one day of, of one specific time of where that deer was at. It may be insignificant, because it was at night, but it still means something. And knowing the farm and knowing the resources that are there and around, that's what makes the difference and connects all the other dots to what a single trail camera image may imply what's happening out there on the landscape. And like, well, this this, this last week, um, I was hunting a property... I saw deer after deer after deer take this one specific trail, put a patrol camera on it. Yes, I've gotten images, but when you go to, let's say, that specific area off from a distance, about 60, 70 yards from where I was sitting, you you realize real quickly that, well, there were some deer that took, like, this little trail. There's, like, five yards away. They actually crossed here, and I didn't see them. Oh, they actually went around this log as well. So I saw all these... You know, 15, 16 deer, they walked through this general region, but it was not on this one defined specific trail. And then you throw a couple bucks chasing does through there as well. Well, deer were weaving in and out of trees. So just because a daggum deer doesn't walk past on that trail at this time of the year doesn't mean squat to me. If they're in this area, that's all I need to know. And I'll and I'll find a way to get in front of them. I just need to know that they're there. And occasionally I'm snapping pictures of them during daylight. So I know, generally speaking, they're moving during daylight. Yep. For instance, I guess the, it was the, that same that same night, saw a deer that I got in pictures of during the summer, saw him yeah. hunting observation. Um, it was probably 45 minutes before dark. Um saw him come out of a chunk of timber, go and um, 
check a scrape, grunted at him actually, because I didn't know exactly which one it was, trying to get a better look, trying to get him to come in. And then he rips up the cedar, this and that, and was able to go back and was like, okay, that actually was that deer. Cool. Great. But I hadn't gotten a daylight image of that deer in a long time. But I saw him. Go to the next day. He actually shows up on trail camera at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like, I don't think that that deer just, just in the last two days started to frequent the property again. He's been there. Some cameras have just been probably off the mark. Or he's just not doing everything that all these other deer are doing. But he was going to check in these designated scrape line that I saw three other bucks go and do the same thing. Like, he knows that. It just doesn't mean that because you haven't gotten a picture of that deer you know, five out of seven days in a week or whatever. That deer's not there. That's right. There's so many more trails, opportunities for them to walk, and it's just, it, it's it's un, it's unreal the different paths that they can take. I just need to see what the pulse is of deer activity, then I'm going in. Yeah, for example, you know, on the other podcast, I talk about the story of the wide nine that's been on the family farm uh, the last couple of years, and you know we've had him on trail camera in a lot of different places on the farm. Um, but one of our, one of the places, actually during the summer, we had him on a food plot over, uh, on the side of the farm that, um, that's where we probably got most of the pictures of him. And then during the course of shedding velvet, he's kind of shifted and it's more towards the heart of the farm. Um, but the place that we've been getting him, uh, occasionally is a spot we call Big Piney. Well, Big Piney, um hasn't had the most pictures of him but it's the closest to that camera sits right at the edge of a bedding thicket on a little opening and he was there uh october 28th and yesterday morning three days later chad and i were hunting that and saw him but lo and behold he didn't even go to where the camera's at so the deer was mm, 20 yards 30 yards from the trail camera but never even checked the scrapes he was just cruising I mean, let's just say, with a gun, oh, I'd kill him. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I had one chance, but I'd yeah. kill him. Right. Like, and, and, and you could have sat back and been like, oh, just, you know, he hasn't been there, hasn't been to that, that scrape. Well, how many other scrapes are there out in the in the woods, too, that we don't even know about? You, you're you not trompsing through every single, you know, piece of acre, let's say, on a property to find every single scrape. You can't survey everything a hundred percent, but my goodness, if you're in timber country and you're seeing deer a couple times a week, that's good enough. And that's telling a lot of what is actually happening out there. So that's, you know, incredible. But I think what also is super incredible is the story of that buck and some crazy movements that really over the past I don't know, was it day and a half maybe that this, that this deer took? And then another buck, um, kind of from the same region of the farm, completely shifted. And I think that's also pretty neat. So do you want to break down that, Adam, those different movements? Um, yeah. To kind sure. of tell the story of where this deer has, <laughs> where this deer has gone and, and, and how, you know, to me, I just look at them as like puzzle pieces. It's like, 
wonder how that deer's doing that. I wonder how that deer's crossing this. And everyone does. You know that, what's right? interesting about this about this deer is two years ago you and I had an encounter with him yeah. as a two and a half year old yep. wide eight pointer, beautiful deer. And we said if he makes it, he's gonna look. He's gonna be an awesome deer. Yep. Um, and then at three and a half, you saw him last year, late, late. season. Yep. He was a really nice deer. And then, of course, this year he's four and a half. He's a great deer. He's a mid forties nine pointer. He was a ten last yeah. year, but he's yeah. kind of well, dropped. Well, he was a ten with two kickers. two kickers off his G two. So yes. something happened. We don't know why, but he he's not. He didn't take the jump from three and a half to four and a half the way he took a jump from two and a half to three and a half. Yeah. Two to three was like, oh my goodness, I can't wait yeah. to see him next year if he makes it. And this year it's kind of like, ah, oh, he's still a great deer. He's added mass, but. He lost the Flyers. He lost the G four. Mm-hmm. He's a great deer, though. Um, so we've had uh, we've got he, this is our frame. third this great frame. Deer. Look at that possum going across the top of the. <laughs> the we're, we're, so we're on the back porch <laughs> or back patio right now, and oh, there's a good. possum going across our uh, uh, my wooden my wooden fence. The top of it, six foot six foot high. That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're sitting here. Uh, you're you're, we'll squeak you're, him you're in. squeaking at him like he's a dog. Like, here, boy, here, yeah. boy. Kibbles and bits. That's what he's yeah. looking for. He, now he's just, he's just oh, he's going, going up that tree, isn't he? Looks that way. Um, <laughs> so, basically, we have, this is our third year now of history with this buck. And uh, he's kind of done, he's doing stuff that he, this year that he did last year. And uh, it's, and it's kind of like those odd little shifts where you're like, what in the world? And we're blessed, we're fortunate enough to have access to the Prairie Hollow property, which is right next to the family farm. So we also run cameras over there. And he's made this shift, and it's like he he jumps over on it, and it's just like, why is, why does he do that? Yeah, and It's just totally random. He'll spend all summer in one spot, or kind of one spot on the farm. A, a focal area. And then October hits, and early October, and he'll make a little bit of a shift. And then late October, early November, he'll start. He'll make a big loop, yep. and we catch him on a camera. And then he may not do it for another couple of weeks. Yep. So anyway, on October twenty eighth, and the names of these places aren't going to really make sense to to everyone. But we're go- what we're going to try and do is map out like the route or the the places that this deer went, and kind of describe like distance wise how much cover ground he was covering. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fascinating. So we had him on camera, and we're just going to last basically three days. Um, so October 28th, we had him at 5.50 in the morning on a place we call Burger Place. So that was kind of, okay, there he is. Which, is, which is a normal place. We didn't have him on camera for basically the 29th. We didn't have him on camera. On the 30th, we had him at what we call the North Bottom at 5.54 a.m. Which is... Seven tenths of a mile from Burger Place. Yeah, a pretty good, a pretty so good. So he headed west uh, yeah. from Burger Place, and a day later he showed up uh, on this place, or basically two days later. And then, basically, uh, forty-five minutes later, he showed up what we call the South Saddle at six forty-five a.m., which again from the North Bottom to the South Saddle. That movement, see that a lot from a bunch of different all deer. the time, like that's almost a, daily. Yeah, like that's super consistent. Catch deer from the bottom, work up the slope, cross the ridge, 
in the saddle and head on to It's one of other the most movement. defined saddles on the whole place that we have. So it's like yep. deer just go through there. Well, and, and it, it, that part, though, too, is cool because this is, again, a deer. Yeah, he's I – w- I would classify this, obviously, within the home range. But this is not core area movement. But it's still neat to see a deer who's out of their core area utilize and work – the the property from from a um, topography standpoint the exact same way other deer would yeah so even even when you're hunting during the rut and you're like how do these deer know where to go well they know the topography and they know where to walk like they know what to do they know what's safe they know how the wind works and these different terrain features and quite frankly most of them the path of least resistance so that's also cool to see that he went and hit the saddle yep after the saddle. Where, where did he so go? So he headed south, and he hit what he hit what we call Shin Fence. Uh, so the ridge is called Shin Paul, um, Shin Paul Ridge, and he, he hit he hit the fence line halfway down uh, on a camera. Just it's one of those spots that you would think is just randomly like we we were stumbling around. Um, if you look at a one map or something, put a, yeah. put a camera. But it's just and it's a little bitty spot that historically it's been really good camera so um that was, and at, that was eight, at 8 34 a.m so bright so, daylight oh yeah right i mean <laughs> bright sun and 6 45 a.m south saddle that was like 15 minutes before first mm-hmm. light so it was mm-hmm. like oh you could have if you were up in that area you mm-hmm. might have had a chance of seeing him 8 34 how far is it from south saddle to the shin fence um like like two tenths okay so it's a yeah quarter Nothing, mile yeah Nothing for a deer to walk. Yep. And the same day, but now in the PM, he went from, so from 834, and he was headed south, and that ridge, that ridge dead ends. Like, it just runs south for another. It, and I do want to say this, too. We're going from quite a bit of elevation changes as well you know you know it's 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 yeah. not like it's this flat linear like the easiest of walking it's nothing to a deer but like you're cro- they're crossing big ravines wide bottoms pasture fields hay fields to to do yeah. all this so like burger place to north bottom there's a steep three and a it's, I think it's 350 about, foot yeah. elevation change yeah. to the bottom yeah uh, very rocky very gnarly cross a gravel road um, and then the south saddle, he's in the bottom, and he's going up 350-foot elevation change yep. in a matter of 40, 45 minutes. Yep. Um, and then the south, so now he's staying on the same ridge. He hits Shimpaw Fence. Then he goes to South Kingsville, which is another ridge. So he goes from one 350, 400-foot elevation ridge down Big Valley, cross gravel road, Back up another 350, 400 foot, and shows up at 7 p.m. 700 the yards. The same 700 yards. From, from Schimpal Fence to the Kingsville area. And this is all straight line, too. Absolutely. This is just, hey, from, from camera to camera, straight line, these are the distances. So so most likely he was not straight lining um, many of these paths to get from camera to camera. Maybe South Saddle to Shimball Fence, but really all the others, probably not. There's a lot of uh, in-between movements. So straight line, Shimball Fence to Kingsville, 640 yards with basically 350-foot elevation down, then back up 300-foot um, to get back up to Shimball Fence. And so what time was that in an afternoon that he showed back up to Shimball Fence? 
I mean, not Schimpal Fence, Kingsville, that scrape. Uh, <coughs> that was 8 p.m. 8 p.m. So basically, there was a 12-hour from the, morning. The next <coughs> night at 8 p.m. So at 7 p.m. on the 30th, he was on that camera. And at 8 p.m. on the 31st, he was on that camera. Well, you have p.m. Or is that a okay? It, no, no, he was he was that there. A.M. Yeah, A.M. Because that was the forty-five minutes after Chad and I saw him yesterday Correct. morning. So he was there. It looks like a P, but <coughs> I can see the little tail now. It's an A. He basically Shimpaw to Kingsville, eight thirty in the morning till it. That was that was during daylight that evening, I believe it was, or just after dark, seven o'clock or so. About 7 a, about, about a twelve-hour difference. Um, and made across, gosh, a, a, a big, uh, expansive overgrazed bottom. Yeah, um, some sometime during daylight hours, and then pop back up to the to that top elevation, six hundred and forty yards away. Um, and so the majority of if you're just straight lining that travel path within about a twenty-four, maybe thirty-hour period, it's a mile and a half of straight line travel and then the following morning right so you got him at kingsville that that the night before you guys hunted the next yep. morning you go to big piney big piney is probably 300 400 yards away from yep. from that, that camera, camera. yeah and you saw him there yeah and, and and it's uh and then actually when right like like it's written down after you guys saw him he went back to that 45 minutes later he was back on that camera and and uh you and know, he wasn't on any <coughs> other camera that night. Correct. That was kind of like one of those where Chad and I were like, I don't know where he's at. There, there's no telling. And we saw him. It was like, he's not that far. He made a loop through a part of the farm, most likely, that we don't run a lot of cameras. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the cows are. Yeah, correct. correct. So it's, it was just kind of one of those weird. But, you know, over the course of all that, how how far did he travel? Like, is a mile it, and a half. And that's straight line. Straight line. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the loop was... Every bit of over two miles mm-hmm. from dot, 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 dot. And that's just straight line from each camera location to the next. Yep. Not any kind of zigzaggy things that he did. So, and and he did all that in the course of just a few days, most of that being within most, most of 24 it within, hours. Yep. Yep. And we would have never known that if we weren't blessed enough to have the ability to, to hunt and put cameras on the Prairie Hollow property. Right. Um, and it's kind of one of those, how often does that occur off of our property, and we have no idea what the deer's doing. I think I think that's a, a bit like there's there's some deer, yes, who are just they home may not, bodies. Yeah, they may not take all those, those excursions the fun ones to hunt. <laughs> yeah, but but there are also the deer too that that very commonly do this. This is not the only deer that we've seen. What what's the other deer? I don't think you guys let's say have a name or anything for him, but the deer that has been at the very um, Let's say north northern side of mm. of your guys's place, and has gone basic to basically extreme. Let me just map those two food plots. Let's say. Real what quick. did I say it was? One point, I forget what it was. One point four miles or something like that. So we had this buck. He's nothing special. He's actually a big six pointer, I believe. I don't think he has brow tines, or if he does, they're not even an inch long. And he's a mature deer. Uh, I think he's four and a half. But he he's gone from um, spending all summer on one of our food plots on the very eastern side of the family farm. And now, once velvet was shed, he went MIA and showed back up on the very, like, northeast food plot. It's a mile and four-tenths. Okay. So almost mile and a half. 
straight line. Straight line. And he is pretty well taken up residence there, mm-hmm. and that's about one of the only places we get pictures of that deer. Very, very consistent. And he just was here, packed his bags, and now he's there. Yep. And there's not much movement. There wasn't much movement during the summer. Mm-mm. It's like he has a very small core area, but he has a very big home range. Mm-hmm. The difference being home range is the county you live in and the core area is your home and your backyard. And he's just picked up and moved, and now he's not moving anymore, other than the occasional 100 yards or 200 yeah. yards down to another camera. So that deer is just another one where we would never know that if we didn't have the ability to monitor a bigger area than than. A, a lot of people sample size. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot to to pick up from that. You know, especially during this time of the year, it's important to know deer as individuals. And I think one of the one of the people that we have on a lot that that picks that apart to a T is is Seth Harker. He will do his best to um, get as much information about a specific deer and their movement behaviors from year to year the his the history on a deer um he will learn that and remember that and use it to his advantage and and for targeting both of these these deer obviously the one's not a a shooter but he will be and you better believe that picking up this information from year to year will lead into that um but the other thing that so so the nine pointer made this big loop right and that's cool that's, that's yeah. awesome to see but the other movement that you see when you, you when you say cool it's like that that is cool but i hate hunting deer like that <laughs> yeah but what's what's also neat is like the in between movement though like when he's not doing that big loop it's very like like linear like it it seems to be not like this giant like circle if you will like if you were to have a heat map it'd be kind of like this long skinnyish type deal and that's maybe where you know I think it's partly due to the big opens, open spaces in the center of the farm, the pasture, and that's where they would naturally travel. But the other thing that's really cool is when you look at, like, the the top end and the, the, the so the north end and the south end of this kind of linear type movement, there's really good, or a couple dense pockets of, of cover on Fiasco, the south end, and then the north end is Burger Place, which is some of the best type of cover. And then in the middle is Big Piney, where we're talking about the um, the cut, the fresh cut that you guys yeah. had done. And it's like each little point that's very frequent, there's great cover at. And it's like, why is he running that line? Why is he just consistently hitting those areas? Well, yeah. it kind of all makes sense, right? It's like, like where's the first receptive doe? I know she's around cover. And mm-hmm. I'm going to run back and forth until I find her. North to south, north to south, north to south. And, and yeah. that's what he's doing. And, and I, I, I hope you guys will have a chance to, to um, oh, or you're getting, you're getting a call from Seth Harker. Seth Harker well, well, and his we'll son. We'll see if this even works. <laughs> oh, man, I'm not going to be able to. Uh, uh, you're going to have to okay. keep, I'll, I'll keep, uh, keep updating I'll keep everybody. So, and, we got a call on the last podcast and pictures from Seth Harker because his son, it's youth season in Missouri, his son tagged a fantastic buck. So we're trying to transition and get Seth on the line. Oh, he hung up on me. Oh, Seth. Yeah. And get Seth on the line. Won't of, work. Uh, we got to end the recording to do uh, it. We're gotcha. trying to do a live, a live, live recording. He's yeah. going to call you now. I got 1% on my phone, so call oh. him back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
We've done this live <laughs> impromptu live recording of uh, I guess a hunt recap. But just this is happened. like this is like calling in a radio show. Long time yeah. listener, first time caller. <laughs> um, Seth is calling in to voice his opinion, but actually he's going to give us an update. He called me and I just plugged <laughs> him in. So Seth, tell us what happened tonight. Well, we're pulling out of the gate, and we have got just an absolute stud of a deer that my son Trace just laid the hammer down on. And Matt and I actually named the deer um, back in the summer. Uh, I sent him a cuddyback photo of the deer, and he said, Dude, that deer is sneaky big. And I said, You just named that deer because I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. You look at him, and I mean, his his mass is unbelievable. The way his beams are turned, they kind of hide. But uh, wow, Trace is stoked. He's getting the gate right now, and we're actually pulling out. He he's not hearing any of this, but he is stoked. Man, that's <laughs> awesome. I, you mean I, he actually might talk on camera tonight? <laughs> man, you, he's he's. Hard. We're going to get through that, but he is hard to pry words out of. But <laughs> I think one thing's for sure: the smile says it all. He passed a nice 130-inch deer, mm. and he he's smart enough now. He's picked up enough, and and he said, "What will that deer score?" And it's not about score. Um, obviously, we don't care. Whatever you want to shoot, shoot. But for him, he's trying to get better and better with what he shot in the past, which is just his personal goals. Um, but he said, does the deer have a name? And I said, no. And he actually put put his get, or gun up and said, I'm not shooting him. And then I looked up, and here comes Sneaky. Just snuck right over the pond bank. And uh, thanks, bud. And uh, he worked a scrape, stood up on his hind legs. Mm. Beautiful hunt. And right when he come through, I could tell by his curvature and his main beam that it was Sneaky. I thought the first one was. But I had seen Sneaky through the binoculars, and that beam gave it away. So I thought the first one was when he came, and then I got him. No, no, that's not him. But uh, the next one, I, I confirmed it was him coming through the brush. So, man, that's uh, it was awesome. an awesome hunt, man. Heart pumper. Dad's old heart was going as much as Trace's was, I'll assure you. <laughs> so tell us, what what's the deer activity like uh, at your farm right now? Still pre-rut, chasing, Dude, cruising, or what's going on? Well, these bucks were together. Um, I've seen a little bit of that. Not like you think, not like I thought that I would. Um, big change. Cuddybacks kind of gave me the hint to what was going on. Um, red oak acorns are, have just let go for the most part. Yep. Um, so I wasn't actually expecting to see a lot of deer. Um because I wasn't sure. I'm like, man, are we in the wrong spot? Should we be on the food plot? And uh, anyways, they came out with pretty good light left, but they were just looking for does is what they were doing. Gotcha. Mm. Gotcha. So well, they, they had been back in the acorns. And every deer that we filmed, um, there's a big black oak, red oak, uh, right on the edge of the alfalfa field. Every deer went to that. Um including that's where Sneaky was going. Uh, so you believe Red Oaks and the, the, the Red Oak family, so Black Oaks, Red Oaks, uh, the right. ac- their acorns are, are really an attractive food source right now. Yeah, it, dude, what a hunt. I mean, 
Oh, yeah, and by the way, they tapped the big mama doe after that. Oh, two for one, nice special. I like that. Two for one, man. If you're going to wreck the date, you wreck it all the way, is what I say. Be a bear, be a grizzly. I love it. Man, I bet bet he is just tickled right now. Dude, it's his biggest deer. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember Dirty Harry, that big, massive, crazy deer that I killed last year as far as mass. Yeah. This deer reminds you a lot of that deer. He's not quite that blown up in the mass, but, mm-hmm. I mean, you would look at him and you, you would say, hey, that looks a lot like him. Ooh, wow, that's that's amazing because that deer, I I believe, had almost seven-inch bases. Um, that's yeah. pretty dang impressive, man. So cool. This this deer's got some thumper bases, too. Man, just what a giant. I'm I'm stoked. How much do you think this deer weighs? Because I know, like, in the pictures, now Trace isn't a, a big kid, but this deer's body looks massive. I'm going to bet this deer, this is a guess, I'm going to bet this deer still dresses between 185 to 200 is where I'd put it. Hmm. Gotcha. Not not great, not like absurd, but it it looks like a big body. Um, big, a big yeah, Ozark I mean, mountain deer. I tell you what, yeah. I'll scale him up when we get sure. to, the, to awesome. the shop. But I'd say he'll filter us. I'm gonna say he's two fifty right now. I don't know what guts typically weighing a deer, but uh, I had to call my wife to bring the truck because we're in our hunting buggy, and it was all. Her, me, and Trace could do to get him in the back of the truck. I couldn't have loaded the deer by myself, period. Not even right. if I still dressed him, I don't think I could have. Mm, 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 mm. Man, that's so. that's so, so exciting. Sissy. It is, man. <laughs> hit, the, <laughs> hit the gym, bro. What a great night. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe not so many days in the tree stand. Maybe you need to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's tagged out, bro. He. I mean, how many days has... Has he hunted this year, what, three days, and he's tagged out, bow and gun? Three days, yep. I mean. Well, that's um, why you got a bird dog. That's why we got a bird dog. We just need to get on this quail habitat, get some more quail, and we'll be all over it. Man. Awesome. Awesome, awesome man. Well, we appreciate the quick update. We'll be sure to get some more details from you here in a little bit, but uh, thanks for the, the short notice on the podcast. Yeah. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for thanks for everything. All Thank right, you, buddy. All right, so there you have it. That was uh, Seth chiming in and giving us an update. I know you can check it out soon. Hopefully we'll have it up uh, within a week or two on the YouTube channel. So search Elena Legacy on YouTube and subscribe, please, to help support us and see hunts just like that. Right now, Seth Sneaky is carrying big. a lot of weight, man. He's, <laughs> Seth is carrying a lot he's, of weight. He's put... Uh, Yep. He's put uh, He's got a buck down. <laughs> Trace has got a buck. Well, two bucks down now. Yep. Um yeah, and then I I I do hope we we've been pretty reserved on time getting out to the tree, but this this week and the next couple are going to be pretty hot and heavy. So, I was itching the other day to shoot a doe just because I hadn't shot anything. Yeah. And then had some self-filming woes was drawn back like three different times and I wanted to get it on camera. And they're right there 20 yards and just happened to step out of frame. So tomorrow morning may not be as lucky if, if another doe comes by. But yeah. we'll, we'll be getting some uh, some of our own hunts up there. And um, now he he and Trace are 
what I love about him is one, the energy level is just always high, right? Yeah. But the homework that goes into it, the monitoring, um, and then just the history of how deer work on the property, he's got it nailed down. Yeah, that it's a I phenomenal mean, farm. Yep. Uh, very conservative hunting. He never gets real aggressive, so he can be on deer from September fifteenth to January fifteenth. And and we haven't even gotten to his the favorite month for uh, for deer December to, to hunt. And and so it's it's who knows what else is going to happen out of that out of that camp. But so far, um, they brought the heat and trace on the board with sneaky big that deer. I mean. I, I remember seeing pictures of it now in the summer, and it's like, oh, wow, yeah, that, that is a good, good deer. So that's that'll be cool, yeah, really cool for them. So getting back to kind of that travel patterns and, and that deer really, really moving a lot, but now he's back to moving really on the farm strictly around cover. Yes. Um, and, and so it's just another one of those reminders of hunting quality cover this time of the year, finding quality cover. And then also just knowing when to strike. Um, you know, I, I think I've said this on the podcast, but if you were to tell me you could hunt these two bucks, one moves all the time. We get pictures of him nonstop. Who am I looking at here? So we got, I just got another text from a, a listener um, out of Virginia, Chris Patton. Oh, you know, Chris, you've met yeah. Chris at QDMA event. Um, a great buck in central Virginia was shot off their farm today. Um, beautiful looking eight or nine pointer. Um, real no. wide. <laughs> Good deer. Is cool. it, it's gun season in Virginia, right? No. Uh, muzzleloader. Muzzle, okay. Ca- muzzleloader came in Saturday. So if you were to give me the option to hunt a buck that moves and you say this buck moves all the time, you'll get pictures. We've got pictures of him every single day. So you'll have all the pictures and and, and of of the deer you want, but he covers this 600 acres. Now here's this buck, and we only get pictures of him every couple of days, but it's only in this one area. And what we believe is he's in this 38. I'm hunting that deer all day. Oh yeah. I want the one who's not moving a ton, or he's got. Basically, I want him because he's got a small area. I want the confined range versus Mister Mister Visible, and he's yeah. everywhere. Because at least the deer that I don't have pictures of, I still at least have a pretty good idea he's in here. Here's what I would say to that. Let's say that that scenario, right? If if I have that scenario played out, both are great deer, both are shooters on on a particular farm. I'm probably going to be hunting the cover right there adjacent to, right, the guy who's got the confined area. That yeah. that would be the strategy there. But if I wanted to hunt the other buck, maybe the wind wasn't right on that dense cover close to where that buck's at. You don't want to spook him because you know he's got a small area. I would be hunting the travel corridors that's connecting all the points or some of the points that the other buck has been frequent. Yeah. That's the travel corridor approach versus the cover approach for yeah. those two specific deer. I was with a guy years ago that told me that he had a buck that was moving like crazy. And it was moving to where every single day we had pictures of this deer. But it was this huge area, and he's like, oh, I, 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 I want to hunt a deer that's on his feet. I'm like, that's like trying to Pinpoint. hunt an elk that's yeah. on its feet. Just because he's on his feet doesn't mean we have he, a chance. It's difficult to he's get He's everywhere. Yeah, and, and it's like, that's the stupidest thing because now we got to chase this thing like a... Oh. Like you're, an elk. And, you're, and, you're, and that's the thing with trail cameras, especially at that point, years ago, your trail cameras were, were what they weren't had cellular. Happened. What 
what had happened. So it's always the past. Yeah. So you're always playing, trying to play catch up. But now it's it's a little bit different of a game. So like this nine pointer, right? Saw that saw that kind of wide um, outlier movement that historically the deer had done in the yeah. years past. But now, right? Kind of back on that confined movement. That confined movement is very huntable, and I, I have high expectations for the next couple of weeks um, as some hunts kind of happen. And I know Chad, your brother's probably going to be taking off for work some too, and um, we'll have a lot more. We're both hunters, hunting in the morning. Hunters out, and that'll be fun. But overall, there's so much to tell about or from trail cameras, but they don't. They still don't say everything that needs to be or that should be gained from them especially yeah. during this time of the year for sure they're great tools great tools but that's it tools they're don't only build tools. a house you got to have yeah. some 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 uh information between the ears to make it all happen so yeah. i think that's a, a great reminder for everyone who's watching things um unfold at their farms through cell cameras or trail cameras however they're utilizing them yeah well I'm going to say something that's not even about hunting that just kind of hit me uh, as we're wrapping up this podcast. Um, It's November 3rd. We just made it through. And by the time this podcast drops, you could be listening to it in the morning, headed to vote. Let's just all remember to be praying for our country. And 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 regardless of who wins the election, we should continue to pray for that person, whether they're your party or not, because... We're all on this ship together, and if we're voting for somebody and the other person gets in charge and we're hoping that he fails, we're only hoping that the ship we're on sinks. So we should all be praying for the health of our country and uh, being <laughs> being <laughs> nice people to each other. I, I heard, read something the other uh, read something just a few days ago that said, if you want to fix the world, start at your house. Absolutely. And so... Uh, Absolutely. We have to be leaders of our own house if we want um, to be respectful to other people and, and, and demand the respect from others back. So, so guys, big moment for get outside, enjoy enjoy your hunting. It's November 3rd or 4th or 5th. Whenever you listen to the podcast, it's early November. It's the best time of the year to be deer hunting for a lot of us, uh, especially people that are dealing with pre-rut um, right now. So get outside, take a deep breath. Remember to be thankful that you're not six feet under. And, uh, man, join us next week. Lord willing, we'll, we'll be, be right back. here. More back with more stories and big bucks. Yeah.